Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker. Thank you for joining me. Today I have a very special guest via computer connection, Dr. Arthur Vasconcelos. He is a Brazilian veterinarian. I met Dr. Arthur when I was lecturing in Brazil a few months ago, and I was super inspired by the lecture that he gave, and I asked him if he would please join me for this interview because he sees diseases as a Brazilian small animal veterinarian, uh, and he previously worked at the veterinary teaching hospital. He sees a bunch of diseases that I've not seen. But most importantly, he's addressing some of these incredibly difficult diseases using adjunctive therapies from protocols that he's created, I think probably partly out of desperation and partly out of needing another means of treating these dogs when nothing else is working. So first of all, welcome Dr. Arthur um, to this interview and thank you for joining me. I, I need to thank you for this opportunity to, to bring what we do here in Brazil to the whole world. We have some challenges that you don't have, yes. but I think it can be helpful for other diseases too. Yes. Just, uh, this, this approach that I, yep. that I use here. It certainly can. So the topic is leishmania. And to be completely transparent, never in the history of my veterinary career, I have 20, I think one years in now as being a veterinarian, I've never seen a case of leishmania, Dr. Arthur. I know that when you were lecturing, you explained that uh, this is actually I don't know if I call it epidemic in Brazil, but you had some pretty shocking statistics about uh, leishmaniasis and the number of dogs affected in Brazil. So could you tell our listeners, first of all, a little bit about what this disease is and then potentially why Brazil is such a hotbed for this disease? Uh, leishmaniasis is a global disease. Actually, it's not just in Brazil. We have this in India and Pakistan some place in Europe and other places here in Latin America too. Uh, we have different kinds of leishmaniasis, diff different kinds of protozoa that cause it. But here in Brazil, the hot topic is about the visceral form of the disease that has the dog as a reservatory. And it's a protozoosis that is a zoonosis. It uh, can affect both human, human and dogs and other animals like cats and rats and wild animals. So it's a hot topic because all around the, the country, it's not endemic in all, all, all of the country because of the, the climate, but some big cities have more than 50% of their dogs positive for the disease. Wow. And I know that that like, was the stat that you had mentioned. That, yeah. that And I think maybe even like 25% of dogs tested or show yeah. that they're serologically so, positive? Yeah, somebody, it, it, in my place, we believe it's between uh, 20 and a third percent of the dogs. I live in a big city, a three million city. Wow. And we have lots of dogs. And most of these dogs, they, they are not tested and they can transmit the disease for other dogs and for people too. And so for it's people. an important topic, yeah. And it's a disease that's not curable, but manageable, but it's a disease. We have to deal with it. So it's interesting. When I, when I heard your lecture in Brazil, first of all, I was fascinated by the treatment protocol that you kind of uh, put together by default. 
and your success and your passion in trying to help these dogs that in essence no one else could help. But I also came home and did a little bit of research. In North America, I discovered that 22 states actually have had uh, leishmaniasis cases and two provinces oh. in Canada. So it's I creeping. Didn't know it's, about it. Yeah. yeah. It's creeping. It can its travel. Yeah. Because the, the, the climate's changing too. So yeah. some places that you don't have leishmaniasis today, maybe in 10 or 20 years, it's going to change too. Yeah. That's exactly and, what and, and I the think. Dog, and the dogs travel. And the dogs travel. Maybe you don't have the, the vector the vector, or you don't have the protozoa when they go together. Yep. It's the scenario. Yeah. Yep. Right now it's not epidemic. I think it's endemic. It's the, the, the levels are like stable in most of places, but they are high and uh, it has a high morbid morbidity. And yeah. so it's a it's still an important topic to discuss. So when I did some research about the U.S., what they said was that it's primarily in foxhounds. Uh, and I also am aware that uh, some rescue organizations are bringing up dogs from Cuba in South America. Yeah. And that's exactly how the U.S. cases have been presented is in animals that have either traveled out of the country or owners that have traveled out of the country with their dogs and then bring the, the protozoa yeah. back to the U.S. But, yeah. Now, you Not mentioned a really important point. You mentioned the point of it being zoonotic, which means the potential is there that it can be hosted in both people and dogs. But I did want to clarify, there's not been cases, Arthur, where dogs can give this disease to people. Is that correct? It's, it's a flyborne disease. It's, it's transmitted by, uh, by an a invertebrate animal, a yeah. sand fly, yeah, and a specific one. So if you don't have the vector, it's not possible to, to the dog, uh, for the dog to transmit the, the disease for you. Perfect. Uh, in, between dogs, they can transmit uh, by sacs or if the bitch got pregnant, but it's not important uh, epidemiologically, just okay. individually. Yeah. And did you, I know that you taught at a university, was, was, did you see more cases, I would assume, in a university setting, you, you kind of got inundated with cases? Was this your introduction to this disease? I learned about it in veterinary school, but I learned about it as a, um, not a native disease. So it was an exotic disease from other parts of the world that we needed to know to pass our board exam, but it was not something that I had any hands-on training and still don't on how to treat the disease. What was your introduction to this disease as a veterinarian i i can say i have my skin on the game i i my introduction was before i went to the vet school because i had dog uh, that were inf that that uh, were infected by the disease and i have the challenge of treating him with the help of other vets so uh but in in the hospital because it it's it's Probably the biggest non-private hospital in Latin America by cases of uh, of dogs that we attend by year. So it's like a reference, and because we have lots of leishmaniasis patients, uh, some people that get uh, consulted by other veterinarians, they bring their dogs for a second opinion at the university. So every day I was seeing like two, three or four cases of leishmaniasis. Wow. It's like a big thing. It's right behind, I think, cancer patients. That was mostly patients Why? I was seeing in the, at the university. Yeah. 
gosh. And how, how successful, I know that drug therapy is not, like you said, cure, no, but how successful is, is current standard of care in even managing patients healthfully? I also know that there can be problems even securing the drugs for treatment. So talk, talk to me a little bit about what traditional treatment is and how successful it is. For the last 20 or 30 years in Brazil, the treatment was prohibited. They were just identifying the dogs and suggesting they to be euthanized. And people that were not uh, uh, concordant uh, with this, this, this path, they contrabanded drugs from Europe. And with the help of some vets, they treated their dogs and they said, it's an option, we can make them ha- healthy. So for the last two to three years, uh, the second round drug in Europe, Nutefosine, was allowed here in Brazil to treat dogs by the government. So it was a big win for pet parents because they now have, have the right, they can legally treat their, their, their dogs and we can help them more openly and yeah. seek other options besides the drugs they can import from Europe. So in the past, it was not allowed to treat, but people, but people were were treating the dogs because they, it's, it's dishumane and also, also ineffective to euthanize the dogs because we are not identifying every dog. We don't have that money and people are not allowing their dogs to put, to be put down. So... It's not, and it's, so when you were confronted with this, Arthur, when you, prior to vet school, when your own dog contracted this, um, you had to feel desperate. Did you go the route of trying to get some of these at the time of illegal drugs or how did you, how did yeah. you institute treatment? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I got, I got, I got, I got the drug from Europe. The, actually the, the vet that was helping me, uh, he, he already had it in the clinic brought by another client that the dog died and he just passed the drugs for my dog. Okay. But it, the, the problem with the, with the drugs, they are very toxic, and not every dog responds very well. My dog responded very well for, the, for, for this medicine, but sometime, maybe I think two years, uh, he got like a complications about the disease. It's very common. And not every dog that you treat, they, they, they keep, getting better sometimes it's go back and you have to to put in another round of with another drug and this way i started to seek more options uh, yeah think outside the box right so how did that come about did that come about then when you were working at the veterinary teaching hospital and you had clients that said the drugs aren't working what else can you provide and you just started doing some research yeah, actually, Brazil is one of the more biodiverse countries in the world, and there is a big interest, especially inside the universities, to study some compounds that can be like commercialized as drugs in the future. So some of the the compounds that I, I got to know, I was already using in my practice for other conditions, like I use it quercetin for allergic dogs. I used the Agaricus blase, a native mushroom from Brazil, for cancer patients. So when I, I, I got to know that these compounds can, 
be as effective as the the, the golden ones, the, the 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 standard drugs for culture cells in lab mice. I asked myself, why, why shouldn't I try it? Because I I know this these compounds they are safe. They have like doses for the for the other diseases. Uh, these dogs, they are not responding very well for the drugs. Maybe because of the disease, the liver or the kidneys are already very damaged. So why not use it and right. see what it goes? And it's being proven a very valuable tool for these dogs. So first of all, it's awesome that you were willing to think outside the box. Um, uh, many of our conventional colleagues, despite the fact that their heart aches for their dying patients, they just won't step outside of standard of care. So bravo. It is nice that you have, um, you know, all the, you've got some amazing gifts from the Amazon that you can, yeah. that you guys <laughs> should be pursuing in terms of biodiversity, more natural therapeutics. You have yeah unbelievable resource but that's also great that the vet school allowed you to do that so Arthur what you mentioned um, you mentioned quercetin was so talk to us a little bit about this protocol that you ended up kind of honing this adjunctive protocol and and yeah. how wh what those supplemental nutraceuticals or herbs were or are we we, we really need more studies uh, to design a protocol but they can use it as supplements, as I said, I was using them for other conditions. So I started to use by my standards and see what the dogs, uh, how they are responding. So quercetin, it has uh, 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 a very nice Lishman seed effect. And especially the Agaricus blase, I think it's a little bit more interesting because I can use it continuously and it has a potent uh, immune stimulant effect and it's uh, and it brings the 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 cellular th1 response that's the most effective against the disease up high and i can keep the dogs in this this mushroom like forever it, it, it i was using that with cancer patients yeah. and it's by similar mechanism and we also have domperidone. It's 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 a very low toxic drug that we use like as a prosthetic. And some studies in dogs, they are it's been proven to be very effective together with other drugs and also as a preventative of the disease. And uh, would you combine those? Would you use uh, yeah, domperidone sure. with, yeah. with quercetin and for agaricus? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I usually use the the quercetin and domperidone in the first two months combine it with agaricus, and then I just keep the dog with the agaricus and the leishmaniastatic drug aloprinol. That's quite low toxic, low toxic too. Great. And especially if the dogs there are not so bad with health, that they are they already in a, in, a, in a thriving home, eating a raw diet with proactive uh, owner, uh, a low stress environment, they usually respond very well with a more uh, ba basic treatment. They, they usually don't need the, the more toxic drugs. And the, the, I think with leishmaniasis, it's very clear. It's a classic uh, uh, case of the importance of the total health approach and in mm. and, and a, and a more functional approach that, that we should have with, with medicine. Uh, the dogs, they are already in bad health. They are going to suffer 
more because of the disease. That's, that, that's so interesting that you say that. So would you say in your clinical experience that the dogs that were provided better food uh, had a much better immune, you know, an immune system yeah, response? For sure. more, okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And that's also, that's also important for people, for pet parents to know that if they rescue a dog or in this situation, if they encounter a dog that's positive, it's not an automatic death sentence. That if you work for on sure. improving that animal's immune system, through food that, that, that actually helps the overall response to this chronic long-term condition. That's great. For sure. Yeah. Leishmaniasis is a mostly an inflammatory disease. So with a, a, a room-made species appropriate food, you can bring this inflammation down. You, have, you, you can add supplements. You can watch closely the fat acids balance to, to help to to get this inflammation now. It's, it's wonderful. Um, is, are there any other supplements that you use if, if there's a refractory case, or would you say that for the most part, it's agaricus? Most and, part, it, yeah, agaricus and quercetin. And quercetin. And, 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 and I use Don too. That's a low tox, toxic drug. It's much less toxic than putting a dog in a course of miltefosine, antimonium, that the drugs usually uh, use it to, the, to treat the disease. Especially if the, the, the patients that are already in good health. Yeah. And do you always try to incorporate dietary change as well? Is that a foundational? Sure. Yeah, that's so. For sure. Yeah. We, we, have, we have a problem with the dogs that are kept in the allopurinol drug, the leishmaniostatic one, because we don't have a commercial diet here in Brazil that's low in purines. So with a homemade diet, you can watch the purine content of the food and prevent these shunting uh, kidney and bladder stones. I, I think it's essential for the dog with leishmaniasis to have a homemade diet, well-designed one, by experiencing that. It's great. It's great. And what you're doing is fantastic. So is it fair to say that, that you created this adjunctive, quite therapeutic protocol, of course, out of desperation? Would you say that in your estimation... 50% of dogs respond to this adjunctive therapy more than that. What has your clinical experience been? I, I don't have the exact number yeah. because sometimes the dogs that came to see me, they're red with a, a very severe kidney disease. Yeah. And maybe you can control leishmaniasis, but they died because of the kidneys or their liver disease. Yeah. It, but if you can get the, the disease earlier before it makes, it's damage. Uh, we can keep the dogs like with the same normal life expectancy. It's great. Right now, I have two. I have I have two dogs in, at home. With they, they are positive, and they are doing very well. And this is exact protocol. Well. Part of my inspiration in hearing your lecture is that you're providing hope for a disease that really, from my vantage point, I don't want to say it's hopeless, but um, the drugs are not amazing at managing yeah. the disease. Like you said, there's major consequences, but you're really, with a very elegantly simple and inexpensive protocol, you've discovered a means of maintaining quality of life despite yeah, the diagnosis. Sure. And I, I really appreciate you. And venturing out enough to try this because clearly you've made a big difference in the patients that have seen you. And my goal in this interview is not only if this disease is marching north, but for people that may not be aware that this adjunctive therapy is available, it provides hope to them worldwide. 
For sure. Yeah, you, you touch a point that that's very important here in Brazil. We have uh, uh, dog pet parents that, are, that have money, but we have a very poor uh, population. So the drugs usually are very expensive. You still can bring them more le less toxic and less expensive treatments. It's of great value for them. And if the, the pet parent has the time and the patient to find a vet that is more open-minded, and it, 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 that's only my, my view of the disease. I, I'm pretty sure other veterinarians here in Belo Horizonte bring alternatives, cheaper ones, less toxic ones to their patients. And it, 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 it can bring uh, another concept of health for other disease too, even for the pet parent itself. So yep. it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. So my concluding remark could be, what would you want the world to know? But I tell you from my vantage point, what I want the world to know is with some of these emerging diseases that may seem, seem quite hopeless, or the risk of toxicity is there, or the client can't afford the medication, you've role modeled for veterinarians worldwide to have the courage to pursue non-toxic options that in this situation have proven to be incredibly beneficial for long-term support at a very reasonable price with non-toxic side effects. So that is what I want the world to know by what you're doing, yeah. Arthur. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Thank you so yeah, much for it, joining me. I, I have to thank you for this opportunity. And I have to thank you for the hug at that APHA <laughs> event. It was really neat, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm very inspired by you and and how how to speak to pet parents and you you are so proactive and 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 you empower them. I think it's very important to change how do we do we practice the veterinary right now. I think the the pet parent, the owner, is very important bringing his and and hers. Uh, uh, own problems and we have to listen to them and, and, and bring newer options for them. So we yeah. just have to imagine, not just be a, 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 the, the, the guys that bring the, the, the pharmacy to, to, to the That's consulting right. room. Yep. yep, yep. And what's great is pet parents around the world are also beginning to not just expect that, they're beginning to demand it. They want to be an yeah. important part of their pet's healing. They want to be involved. They want to know what's happening. They don't just want a doctor to dictate to, dictate to them. They want to be an integral part of that healing response. Yeah, former which, team. Yeah. yeah, you bet. You bet. So I appreciate the entire team out of Brazil. You were doing wonderful things. The coolest thing is that it appeared to me when I was lecturing that you're integrated community is incredibly supportive of one another you share information you you seem to be a very close-knit community which is very inspiring to me you're doing an awesome yeah. job I'm working with Adriana with a big website I'm, I'm grouping uh, some open-minded vets to bring content uh, more accessible for pet parents and right now uh, most people in Brazil, they don't understand English. So the, the resources that I have access, they don't have at home. So I'm trying to get more involved in, the, in this education process. 
and I'm helping Adriana with the site. Its site, its site is directed for pet parents, and I'm hoping to post some information about leishmaniasis and other stuff too, about this, uh, this more functional form of medicine that we modify diet and the, the behavior and environment of the, the dog or the cat to bring back health. So we are hoping to be, it to be a, a great tool for pet parents. That's one of the things that I was so inspired by in seeing the number of integrative functional medicine vets in Brazil. Even at the conference that, that we were at, they are really working at providing these resources. Even against some uphill battles with maybe state veterinary associations, they're really looking to provide unbiased functional answers via the internet so people can have the resources and the tools they need to make better decisions. And I, yeah. I met three people in Brazil working on bringing that forward. And yeah. that's incredibly inspiring. So I think Brazil could certainly be moving up when it comes to where we need to be looking for proactive wellness veterinarians. I think Brazil is nicely shaping up to be one of the leaders when it comes to proactive medicine, which is, of course, heartwarming for me. So thank you for your contribution. Yeah, very to that. nice. Thank you. I, I hope we get there. Yeah. yeah.